Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by uh, the hosts of my favorite fantasy football podcast, Ship Chasing, Peter Overzet, Pat Corain. This is our Scott Fishbowl X, Scott Fishbowl 10 strategy show. And just as we're getting ready to record, Pat reveals to Peter and I that he's so bad at game theory that he requested the 101 as his slot. Pat, what are you, what are you thinking? I, I mean, honestly. I'm thinking I want to draft Christian McCaffrey. What what am I missing here? Man, every come. every everyone in their donkey requested the 101. Okay. Well, maybe, the, us, maybe us donkeys are going to win this thing. The smart people knew that everyone was going to request it. They found what would be the optimal slot that would be the least requested. And you know who else ends up in that group? Shane Battier, two-time NBA champion. Mr. Mr. Analytics himself, Shane Battier. So, you looked so at it. I, Am I am I getting that you guys would rather have the one hundred and one, but you think you're somehow smart for not requesting it? Does he is he not understanding? He, he doesn't get it. Okay, Pat, this is how it works. Everyone and their mom requested the one hundred and one, so it means your chances of getting it were lower. If you don't get that it. request, you're going to be randomly assigned. So there's a huge teardrop. Yeah, but after you guys the- blew it because I got the one hundred and one. No, this is Pat's logic. Pat, this is like a running back truther hitting on Aaron Jones in the third round of the dead zone and you being like, but historically that's a bad place to draft running backs. He goes, it doesn't matter. I hit it. It doesn't matter, bro. He he scored 20 touchdowns. You know how many touchdowns Aaron Jones had last year? Uh (laughs) Because 104 was optimal because that gives you the four best players in the scoring, which is CMC, Barkley, Lamar, and Mahomes. And you were just going to get one of those guys regardless. It wasn't going to be a super requested slot. I think the the biggest tier break, though, in the first round is if you got stuck with the 108, that was the, that's the nut low spot because that means you get neither of the quarterbacks and none of the top five running backs, basically, which is, um, which is where the, the real tier break is at running back. You get your pick at tight end, though. And that's, I had the 106 last year and drafted Kelsey. And I did, I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah I would, that would be my move. So I actually think the biggest tear break is after the 101 because you don't have a chance for McCaffrey. Oh, this, this, guy. this, this guy. This is ridiculous. So Pat's taking McCaffrey. Uh, I basically, I think, would just not take Devontae Adams or Michael Thomas in the first round of this format at all. I think I, I would take Kittle. I think I would take Kittle or Kelsey, you know, if I was picking in the back half. Um and obviously, you know, you're taking Lamar Mahomes if either of them are available. Do either one of you want to push back on that? No. Um, uh, you know, I, when you look, so Hassan had a good article up on Rotoviz looking at the kind of historical scoring and showing just how dominant those um, tight ends that serve as the, the wide receiver one in their offense have been in this format. And I think right. Kittle and Kelsey fit that bill where – 
you know, yeah, they're slightly probably going to be behind Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams and just target projection, but it's just completely um, made up for by the extra 0.5 for each reception and first down. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a Travis Kelsey had a pretty average season last year for him. You know, like he wasn't elite, like Travis Kelsey wasn't even a league winner in the FFPC tight end premium format, but this is tight end premium premium. Like this is, this is as premium as it gets for tight end. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fine taking Kelsey or Kittle. And I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe this will lead into a scenario where some teams are able to start like Dak Prescott, Michael Thomas, which is, um, it's a pretty insane start to be able to do that, Pat. That is. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wonder if Mahomes in the first round is is optimal because, I mean, certainly it could be. He's got a massive ceiling, but you know, I, it, it, last year I last year I got Lamar Jackson in the fifth, which is obviously going to be just what a humble way to go. Pat just yeah. all over us. But it's <laughs> but but so it's the like, one league every league we did you forced me to draft kyler murray in the one league we're not in together you get lamar oh, jackson you're you, sick i forced you like you didn't read the fucking book about the cardinals offense yeah that we all sick. we all read the perfect pass we all no, we all were in pat recommended he's like this book changed my life it'll change the way you think about <laughs> fantasy football he's like you will bow at the altar of the air raid and i yeah. just i gobbled it all up you were a false prophet sorry buddy very disingenuous so, touting from Pat Corain. Anyway, what I'm saying here is that I think that, well, I didn't go early quarterback last year, and I was happy I didn't. And the quarterback scoring is really scrambled this year because you have the Very added points for completions and incompletions. And it's going to be really hard to figure out which quarterbacks to take. So if you can get an edge – if you basically do the work here and figure out which quarterbacks are actually targets compared to typical leagues, then I think you're going to be able to get an edge on your quarterback scoring. And you might want to use your first round pick to lock up like a Kelsey or Kittle and get that edge at tight end, which is going to be important to have. So that would be my... I think my early take is that this is actually a league where you can take the boring guys. So you can take Kirk Cousins, um, you know, you can take just those, the Matt Stafford, you know, like the super pass only guys who, who do not have league winning ceilings in, you know, the, the FFPC, the NFC and stuff like that. But because of the point per incompletion stuff, like there are going to be games where streamable quarterbacks in 12 team leagues are like someone, <clears throat> someone in our, our 104 group chat DM on Twitter posted that Sam Darnold had games of like minus 20 and minus 25 points last year. So like late round quarterback is, um, it, it's going to be a, uh, you're, you're going to be playing with fire there. It's going to be a very much a double-edged sword because of the ability to get, go so far in the negatives. Yeah, like looking at the the Rotoviz projections, I mean, they have Sam Darnold down at 72 overall. And to yep. just give you a frame wow. of reference of how much this um, scoring setting, you know, uh, prioritizes accurate quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor is top 12 in overall projected scoring, which obviously I assume they're using a full 16, 16 game, games, yeah. um, which you can easily debate that that won't be the case, but it does just go to show these guys like Tom Brady and cousins are getting pushed Der- up. Derek, way higher. Derek Carr. 
like yeah. like like draft i think drafting the Derek carr marcus mariota tandem given what we expect them to cost is actually like if you wanted to platoon those guys as your second quarterback i think that is pretty viable because a lot of people aren't going to do that deep of thought about the scoring and they're just gonna they're just gonna gobble up quarterbacks like it's just if this happens every year in the scott fishbowl where even for a two quarterback league quarterbacks go early and the one thing i've noticed so in back-to-back years i've been the guy to draft kind of the shunned uh rookie qb that everyone's down on the josh allen and daniel jones and what i notice in these formats is that the the presumptive starter is slightly overvalued and the the incoming rookie is undervalued because no one wants to just have what they consider a quarterback handcuff on their bench generally so targeting guys like joe burrow and um and herbert even i think are smart plays in this format because the cost is so cheap and the upside is so high down the stretch yeah, I like Cooper as a call a lot because he's also got a little bit of rushing equity as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, whereas with a guy like Tua, you've got a real concern about when he might play just based on uh, his health. Uh, Herbert doesn't have that. I think if Tyrod kind of stinks it up, Herbert could be in after three games. Yeah, and Tua's ADP right now, it looks like he's going on average at pick 124. Uh, shout out to Kevin O'Brien. He's been scraping uh, a bunch of ADP data. This hasn't been updated, I believe, for a little bit, but it's still a really nice uh, reference point. But it is one of those things where it's like the opportunity cost of getting those quarterbacks early uh, as opposed to traditional leagues isn't as high. Uh, when you look at the opportunity cost of drafting Tua, where you, there's so many unknowns about his production, and you're passing over by ADP guys like Gasecki, um, you know, guys who could really have a huge impact in this format. So it's definitely something to consider about, you know, if you are playing the late round QB game, you could get burned pretty hard here. So with that in mind, are you guys likely to – you know, because a lot of the way people draft is they like to have their starting lineup, right? Like they like to draft their two quarterbacks, they like to draft their two running backs, and then, you know, their corresponding wide receivers, tight ends, and flexes. Historically, I have actually gone pretty early on my third quarterback. No, I didn't, I didn't last year, but most of the time I'm actually fine grabbing the Daniel Jones, the Derek Carr, like whoever, you know, kind of sitting there in the sixth, seventh round, because having the ability to play the matchups a little bit with those guys. And also just, you know, not hopefully not skipping a beat uh, during the bye weeks, I think is a pretty big edge. Also, I, I will unload the fab clip on whatever the first injury replacement quarterback is uh, a big percentage of the time. Because like with rosters this deep, it's very rare that like even the breakout running back candidate that ends up being a waiver wire target in FFPC or whatever, like those guys are actually owned a lot of the time in the Scott Fishbowl. Like you're, you're like, I'm trying to think of a good, like maybe Ty Johnson was a guy who wasn't drafted last year, but most of the other running backs who got a chance at starting at some point were already on rosters. Yeah. Yeah, That's true. A lot of the late flyer guys do get snapped up here because it's a deep draft. 
I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts because this is just from my own anecdotal, like personal experience, but I've found in general over the years getting quarterbacks, again, you're not getting your Lamar Jack, uh, you know, Lamar and, and Mahomes off the waivers, but getting just startable guys isn't that difficult. Um, yeah. And I've actually found the waivers are, Yeah, like yeah. those guys. And you've seen, I, I remember it was a few years ago, Kevin Cole did a crazy playing you know, chicken with quarterback and he easily pieced it together on the waivers the whole season. Um, and I'm not saying to do that fully, but I do think um, it makes me not as panicked if I don't get that like really good QB three, like I'd yeah. much rather have two really good ones and then punt. Yeah. Will, Will Fuller, fly. Will Fuller or Justin Herbert, you know, cause like that they're going to end up going in a similar range for sure. Like guys like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, what I'd like to do is try to limit the amount of capital I'm spending at quarterback as well. So last year, um, I got Brady in the seventh, and then I waited for a long, long time until I got Daniel Jones. And that's, I think, a similar way of how I'd like to play it this year is basically like wait out quarterback for that QB3 until there's really no one else of interest in that range. I mean, Jones was, I got him in the 17th. So at that point, the draft is starting to really thin out. Um, like Dexter Williams was being drafted at running back, for example. So, I, you know, I think we'll have to see which of these quarterbacks aren't properly valued based on the, um, the scoring changes. I, I really like the Derek Carr call. Uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater might be another guy. Teddy, Teddy is a really good one. So uh, a, another big thing is this is a tournament format. Yeah, you'd really like to win your 12-team league. But, you know, the, the, the idea is you, you'd like to win the overall. And finding guys who have good and affordable stack options, I think, are a huge part of this. Like, I, I want to I boost guys up in my personal rankings for this if I like the correlated stacks in terms of how much I expect well, them to well, cost. Teddy's got you there. Yes. You know, if you got DJ Moore early. And uh, Ryan Tannehill is another guy that I think is pretty interesting. Um, that low volume pass attack doesn't necessarily hurt you as much if he's going to have a high completion percentage on play action and stuff, and he runs around. So I like both those guys a lot, and they're easily stackable. And then I guess – I don't know if you guys want to transition to wide receiver yet, but um, – Always you know, trying to push your wide receiver agenda. Well, so yeah, I, I mean, last year I, I – I, I want to make one point on the Titans, yeah. which is I actually think all of those guys suck in this format. AJ Brown sucks in this format. Johnu sucks in this format because of that points per first down bonus. Like they're just going to run less plays. Yeah, they're just going to be less opportunities. And and AJ Brown might have another six season under his belt in terms of efficiency, but that if it, I don't know if that efficiency will be enough to make up for like. I mean, he might lose in first downs to some of the other guys drafting around him by like 30, you know, or 20. That's a good point. Yeah, I think DJ Moore is much a much better target than than Brown in this format. Um, yeah. Well, one I other thing, just look, looking at the QB ADPs before we move on, um, you know, even Derek Carr is going top 50 based on just who are the viable starters or upside guys that you can get before you enter like the free agent backup territory of, you know, Cam Newton, Mitch Trubisky, the three that you see are the two chargers quarterbacks and Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I I assume people are going to be terrified of the interceptions and incompletions with Fitzpatrick, but 
those seem like the cheapest viable guys right how about now. how about jimmy g with a mean adp of 70 right now so that yeah. is <clears throat> that's pretty that's pretty rich for jimmy g when we're thinking about him from like a, an upside perspective but he plays in an offense that is just it's all about easy completions it's all about yeah. completing 70 percent of your pass you know they just want to make things as easy as possible for for him so I, I i actually think heading into this draft so i'm picking fourth overall i'm unless and maybe i take barkley if he's there but i i really am realistically taking a quarterback there i don't I don't uh, – picking from the 104, Peter, hate the idea of taking a quarterback there and then ignoring it until, like, my fifth pick or so and then looking at, at Jimmy as, uh, as one of the possible options there. Yeah, the hard thing is that I'm – so I'm looking at Jimmy in this ADP and you're passing over DJ Chark and – It's tough. Terry McLaurin and Stefan Diggs right there. I mean, that's rough. Keep in mind, though, what we're looking at here. I mean, this is mock draft ADP. This is from guys who Uh-oh, know here we go. The- they know this scoring. They're the type of dudes who do Scott Fishbowl mocks. Like they've studied the scoring. They understand which quarterbacks get both get boosted. Pat showing he understands game theory here, but not with his pick selection. Very interesting. Yeah, sorry <laughs> that I have the one on one guys. I guess I just don't get it. Anyway, so <laughs> look, I mean, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater, Jimmy Garoppolo, the kind of obvious beneficiaries of this scoring are gonna go as high as they're as they're going here in this mock draft. That's all I'm saying. I thought so you, you were think gonna you go with the a- I thought you were going to say the, these mock drafters don't have skin in the game, but you you actually with the the compliment uh, direct. Uh, no, they know they know the the setting. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do a Scott Fishbowl mock, you know this the scoring for this league inside and out. And I just don't think that every single person in this massive field is going to do the work on which quarterbacks uh, you know we should be bumping up and which we should be bumping down. It's not going to feel great. And to your point, if you're if you do have that opportunity cost with those wide receivers. Uh, I think a lot of people are just going to pick wide receivers and, and Garoppolo is going to fall that range, for example. So I, yeah, before I we start that. on wide receivers, I want to just make one point on why I think I would take Mahomes over everyone in this other than, um, other than McCaffrey, which is that he is likely going to add a little bit of rushing. We saw him do that in the playoffs last year, but even, but even without that, he already has the highest, most record-breaking Scott Fishbowl season ever. Hassan referenced that in his article on Road of His, like his unique style of lots of completions, lots of pass attempts, and lots of touchdowns, and he's going to hit all the bonuses, right? So all of the available bonuses for this, he is going to be – all over them and I have I have zero concerns about regression stuff for Mahomes the way I have some slight regression concerns for Lamar what one more thing that's really before I know we're we're gonna move on from quarterback here but this is super interesting to me relative to ADP and then how the Rotoviz has it projected Rotoviz has Drew Brees as a top three overall option and they have him only three points behind Mahomes in projected points um, and I assume that's just heavily weighted toward a ton of short completed passes. But well, I mean, do you guys agree with that? Or is this an, I know better and there's still a big chasm between Mahomes and Breeze? So the reason well, I mean, why he's being projected that, that. Get Breeze later and catch Davis. <laughs> the reason why he's being projected so high is he literally completes like 73% of his passes year over year. Um, I think you could, I think you could look at this. Well, for a, a big thing with Breeze is you're not going to like stacking him because you will probably not have Michael Thomas and Drew Breeze. And then outside of that, 
you know, I, I mean, who are we, are we taking Jared Cook at cost? Probably not. Uh, are we taking Manny Sanders? Um, I, don't, I probably won't have a single player on my roster over 30 if I had to guess. So not, uh, not likely that I'm going to have a good stack option with him, which is really important for me in a format like this. Oh, I did want to talk. I think you need to have everyone stacked, though. I mean, it's definitely nice to have a stack or two, but you know, if Breeze is just a screaming option, a screaming value at quarterback, giving you like Mahomes light production for a fraction of the cost, then I wouldn't worry too much about that personally. Question about, and this is actually a good segue into wide receivers with this stacking. So, you know, I obviously read Leone's article um, about even stacking in season-long leagues and how it's mm-hmm. probably underutilized. I don't even know if I last year, I don't even remember, and this is might just reflect poorly on me as a fantasy owner, but I don't remember prioritizing stacking in the Scott Fishbowl that much. Uh, where it now just seems so obvious to me to even take a little bit of a value hit to make sure you get a stack in this format where, like David said, all we care about is getting first. So are you guys thinking way more about stacking this year than you have in previous years? Well, I started wanting to do it really heavily last year because I did 150 teams in the draft best ball championship and than you know the main event and everything and just in all those formats you want to stack and once you play a season out like that you see why it's so obviously beneficial like your your good weeks are gonna be great and you you'll basically like in weeks where your quarterback goes 303 you are you know so much more likely to beat your opponent that week but also all of these leagues reward total points and the best way to increase your total points is to have the, the guys in your lineup correlate with one another. Yeah, Sean Siegel was talking about this on his podcast, and I was – it was interesting because he was he was saying how when they were looking at a, a new tool they have over Rotovis for best ball, some of the stacks weren't intuitive. Like in FFPC format, it was actually beneficial to stack your quarterback with a kicker. And yeah, I see it that. it wasn't – is beneficial to stack it with the wide receiver one as you might expect so that that's probably cost related i would imagine is like wide receiver ones are expensive yeah so i think you know it 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 is a good idea to stack but i'm almost thinking of it more of like if are there offenses here that are undervalued to where you could you know maybe yeah no that's exactly what i'm saying with with breeze is that Yeah, I'm saying that Breeze's stacks are not cost-efficient, whereas Teddy, Curtis Samuel, Ian Thomas, those guys are all going to be discounts at their ADP. So if Teddy pays off and Teddy himself is a good pick, the correlated options other than DJ Moore are all going to be discounted by multiple rounds. But, like, Derek Carr, you know, you mentioned him. I think, like, he's got stack options with, with like, a Hunter Renfro who might be Because he's so cheap. Yeah, because he yeah because he's he's probably going to be free and he's his skill set I think would would kind of lead to maybe some more first downs. I mean, it's basically just a volume play. I think that's I think that is probably fair. Are we gonna are is are we gonna just tout um like old gross slot wideers in the NFL like slot <laughs> wide receivers for this or just like you know just overall guys who you know. Because the upside in this format, yeah, it is really touchdown related, but also like you could theoretically have, you know, 90 receptions, three touchdowns and still pay off in this very easily, I think. 
Like someone, someone like Tyler Boyd might not be intuitively a ceiling target, but because he's going to play that possession wide receiver role for an offense we expect to be super pass heavy under Zach Taylor with the new quarterback, like he might be like, so he's priced next to someone like Gallup who might see 40 less targets, but has like more, like people just like, oh yeah, you know, Michael Gallup, that's an upside guy in that Dallas offense, but Boyd might just dominate him because of the volume based stuff. Yeah, I mean, I just did a quick search because um, I, I have the two data sets up of the Rotoviz projections and then the mock draft data. And so, like, Tyler Boyd is going around pick 90. Um, Rotoviz has him just, again, this includes all positions, has him projected as the 74th player. And then I looked at another guy similar, Crowder. The Rotoviz has yeah. him projected at 115, and he's going down at 130. Uh, in mock so it does seem like to your theory Davis that maybe some of these slot volume guys are slightly undervalued by the market right now yeah I, I think that is likely true you know I I think my plan as of right now would be to not select a wide receiver until the fourth round or so and because these are the guys you can get as your first wide receiver if you if you did actually embrace that as your plan um, Odell Beckham going uh, at his mean at 44, Allen Robinson, 45, Amari Cooper, 48, the aforementioned AJ Brown at 51. You know, like I, I think all of those guys are super strong options basically. And I, I, I don't know if you're losing, I mean, you're, you're certainly losing to Devonte Adams and Michael Thomas, but you know, I think Tyreek, Deandre Julio, I think all of those guys can like kind of roughly match their seasons. I would imagine. So I know do you, you got. Oh, go ahead. Well, I know you're not an old guy, Davis, but what do you guys think of Adam Thielen in this? I mean, he strikes me as someone who could both could see just a get ton of so many and, targets, yeah, and yeah. touchdown upside. And he would actually be a nice guy to stack with Kirk, and would yeah. probably be you could pull that off. Pretty I mean, cost what, effective, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. He, it looks like he's projected right now. He's a, he's uh, projected a tick ahead of AJ Brown um, by Rotaviz, which I think you know, makes sense based on what we were talking about as far as volume and in completions. Although man, you're never going to catch me drafting Thielen over AJ Brown. I don't really care what the format is. I just don't know <laughs> if I could do it. Bobby, Bobby trees looks like the guy for me where for, surprise, I, you surprise. know, yeah. I mean, I have, I have him projected as the leading the Los Angeles Rams in targets. He's going next to like Corlin Sutton and Keenan Allen. I, I got to think I would feel pretty good about getting him as my second wide receiver i so um okay we can come back to wide receiver targets i want to talk a little bit about tight end strategy though because i think in this format that rewards volume some of the guys like i think i would flip-flop mark andrews and zach Ertz's adp in this pat because andrews it's all touchdown related like i mean how many how many um passes did he even catch last year like it's just it's just kind of a, a low volume role and Ertz we know doesn't have the touchdown upside yeah only 64 receptions for Mark Andrews last year 98 targets like Ertz could legitimately double those numbers yeah I think I, I've got smart I think Ertz should go over Andrews here I do like Andrews here though because you know they they lost Hayden Hurst who had a fair amount of, of work last year and I don't it's not like yeah. they brought in anyone else to take those targets. So 
And oh, people Andrew are Devin Duvernay awesome. truthers. You you haven't you haven't JJ Zacharyson Devin Duvernay truther. They're out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe he's okay, but I just don't. I don't think he's gonna like soak up 30, 30, 39 tight end targets that, right. that yeah. were vacated by Hayden Hurst. That's not really Duvernay's skill set. So, um, I don't know. I think, I think Andrew. Well, Andrews is someone that I've just been targeting uh, a ton uh, this year. So. Maybe I'm kind of getting the AJ Brown thing with Pete, where it's hard for me to come off my target, regardless of the format change. But I do agree that I would I would swap him with Ertz because uh, you you really can't project Andrews to have more targets than Ertz. And on tight end on the whole, I mean, I in general the same thing. Like we've all seen the win rate stuff for how important getting one of those elite tight ends is, and in this format too, where you can theoretically you could have four tight ends in your lineup and still have a, a super flex QB with the, with the four flexes. And I, what I would really like in my ideal world is to get one of those top four tight ends and then also really prioritize the breakout tight ends that I think could become those volume guys. You know, my guys like TJ Hawkinson and Gasecki and stuff in that range, because again, we're talking about how important volume is for the tight ends. Like we know you can get, you know, piecemeal, tight end scoring deep, but the kinds that can really make an impact, those are going to be hard to come up, come by. And I definitely, in an ideal world, I'm hitting on two of those tight ends that could finish in the top six. I think that would give you a huge advantage. I, I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Being able to, uh, to start just to have those two tight ends who are starter caliber is like, I mean, this is a managed league where you set your lineup every week and there's a lot of, uh, starting spots to fill so it just makes your life so much easier not to have to scrape waivers for tight ends if you can get two reliable tight end starters and I like that approach to trying to do it yeah and it's one of those things where I think more than any other position yes can you get a Josh Oliver type on SFB waivers most weeks sure for sure but but you're going to be much more likely to get a spot fill at RB or wide receiver or even quarterback then you will a tight end that's going to put up like a league or a, a week winning score for you. So I, I think you really want to prioritize a second and third tight end that has that top six. I mean, be, <clears throat> being able to start two tight ends in this who are like reasonable guys, it's a massive advantage because five, yeah. for, fi- five for 50 with two first downs for Tyler Higby. Not that I think, any, I don't think any of us are really targeting Tyler Higby, but you know, or or even like Austin Hooper, who is going after pick 100 in these mocks. Like, uh, it takes less of like real NFL action for them to have like very good fantasy scores because of how juice their scoring is. What are you guys doing with Darren Waller? And I know you could make this conversation for any fantasy league, almost regardless of the settings. But it's like his splits first half of the season in this format would just be a destroyer of worlds. And in the second half of the year, he would sink your team with where you would have had to have drafted him. Where, where do you guys fall on? Are we getting, you know, first half Darren Waller or second half? My, um, my general approach has been to kind of avoid the guys in that middle class of tight ends. And like last year I drafted Waller. I got him in the 15th and I like your Gasicki call a lot because He's like falling pretty late. I, you know, looking at this mock draft ADP, um, it looks like he's going in like the 11th round uh, on average. And obviously he falls quite a bit at a time. You can get Kasiki in the 13th, 14th round, even the 11th. Then 
I like that a lot more than trying to reach up for Waller. I'd rather have, you know, the guys like, uh, well, obviously Kelsey and Kittle, but Ertz and, and Andrews, I think. And then after that, I'm taking a long break at tight end. Yeah. I think it's similar with the quarterback, right? Where it's like the, the mid tier is going to get overvalued and I'd rather yeah. be at the extremes uh, getting the, get the studs or kind of punting it. Yeah. I'd rather have um, a polarized versus a merged range in this scenario. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, I think that drafting the guys for their like very basic uh, 60 catches, eight, 800 yards, five touchdown season and drafting them at exactly that, I think is probably a mistake. I think I, you know, either you get Kittle or Kelsey or, you know, you don't do that. You load up on running backs and wide receivers, you know, potential starting options. And then you draft like three of Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Mike Gesicki, um, Blake Jarwin, Ian Thomas, Irv Smith Jr., Jay Sternberger. Like, I think all of those guys have the potential to be weekly starters in, you know, regular 12 team PPR leagues with upside for way more in this format if they find themselves being, you know, the second or third target in their offenses, basically. I, I think that Bruce is Sternberg kind of the, a great call. That's yeah. a big swing. We don't know what's going to go on there with, with the target distribution after Adams and you want targets. So we're guys like Blake Jarwin, who I do like, I think Blake Jarwin's going to have a hard time carving out a big target. I think he's bad for this format specifically. Yeah. Yeah. But Sternberger could be awesome for this format just because he might just, he might get a lot of targets Maybe he only adds like three touchdowns or something, but but that's that's okay because of the first down bonus. The Sternberg is a sick call too. I'm looking; he was all Dave. It looks like this data set had 27 mock drafts. He was the only drafted in 19 of them, um, so he was going undrafted in some of these mocks. And that's those are the like you guys said. That's the perfect kind of polarized pick you make. Sure, if if he's not a factor in the offense, say they're using the rookie, whatever, the just, then you cut him and you move on. But he legitimately could be like one B in targets, or not one B. I sorry, I meant two B in targets on on that offense. So I, yeah. I like that. Let me throw out. Let me throw out a. Uh, I, I think I've drafted this guy in the Scott Fishbowl every year of his career. CJ Uzoma, uh, pretty much is going to go in the last round of these, but he has like no obstacles in his way for playing time at all. Like I, I he is going to be the week one and week sixteen starting tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. That might be this really pass heavy offense and you know just running into 60 tight end receptions with the last pick of your draft is going to be a massive massive win so i can't believe you haven't mentioned hassan rahim yet because he's no i did the article oh you did yeah okay so the the article that we're talking about the projections in it and um although i think dave caven did the projections but but hassan really does did a great job on rovis breaking down the scoring here hassan i believe last year was he was the last person to grab a tight end in the entire draft. And I believe that tight end was CJ Azoma in the last round. So My God. It, it's an interesting call. I think, yeah, I mean, uh, certainly there's like, I think it's a similar call to the Sternberger thing where we're just not sure how the targets are going to break out. It's a little more crowded there. That's the only, so I, I kind of like, if Sternberger's free, I'd rather take my free shot on Sternberger, but you could certainly draft them both to close out your draft. I like that we're friends with all the extremists. Denny was the last to draft a running back last year at 11.11. He drafted Adrian Peterson as his RB1. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys were to get an award this year for being the um, drafting the latest of a position, which position would it be? 
wide receiver probably. Really? Yeah, it'd have to be wide receiver, but I I kind of like gonna, drafting wide receiver in like the third round. There's here, so. there's this super interesting wrinkle where Miles Sanders gets jammed up the draft boards in all these leagues that you that you know that we're doing right now, these dynasty drafts, these FFPC drafts. But in this, theoretically it's possible to draft Miles Sanders. Pete, for us at the 104, it's possible we could start with a quarterback we really like and then take Miles Sanders with our second pick. That is, I, you know, I, I'm sure my league mates are not listening to this, but if they are, don't take Miles Sanders before I pick because that, looking at the ADP right now, that's 100% my strategy. Yeah, I mean, I would, uh, even as a notorious running back hater, I would happily press the button on Sanders in the, in the late second round. Because if you don't get a running back there, so a, a weird thing about this format is it kind of flattens quarterback scoring after the guys who are really, really elite, but it super, super boosts up elite workhorse running backs because they're getting the rushing first downs, they're getting the receiving first downs, they're getting the points per reception, and they're beating all the other dudes at their position. Like, like there's this giant chasm between workhorse running backs and guys like, you know, even someone like Nick Chubb, who is good, but he's just not going to get, you know, he's not going to get that receiving work where, I mean, I assume all of us are kind of thinking about these things like, you know, let's um, let's try as much as possible to adhere to our modified zero RB tenants. But, you know, if you're leaving the first two rounds without a running back, Pat, like what at, at what point do you give and draft someone you hate? Or do you just not? You don't give in? Yeah, I don't – I don't think you just give in to the market – uh, last year, I think I waited until the eighth round to draft my first running back. Um, and I, I think that you can do zero running back in this draft. I mean, that was basically a zero running back start. Um, I got Kenyon Drake in the eighth, which, you know, kind of lucked out there with the trade. But um, the the thing about running back in this format is that I think you do need to take a look at your zero running back target list and make some adjustments where, you know, Guys who are in committees and are um, on the passing side of that committee are generally pretty favorable picks for zero running back, but they're not going to be as strong of picks here. Um, and some of the other guys that, you know, get some of those carries that we don't normally have any interest in are going to be, are going to be stronger picks than usual. So, you know, I, I wonder, I, I think that zero running back and modified zero running back are very viable, but you just have to make sure you're adjusting your target profile a little bit. I think that's, yeah. I think that's yeah, reasonable. Reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the real issue though, Davis, so from our slot, um, if we say, if we do end up going quarterback, um, say the a running back we don't like, like Miles Sanders doesn't fall and say we're starting, you know, QB wide receiver tight end or some version of that. I mean, then that's where we really start to enter that dead zone. Yeah, and which is like you don't have a running back, but all the running backs available to you are trash. Are trash. And that's where I, I can envision myself. I don't know if I'm going to be the Denny 11.11, but I will have the stomach to um, gobble up a lot of those, try to get leverage at tight end um, and wide receiver, and then just take as many running back dart throws as I can. It, like. it, it looks like my savior might be James Conner, who in these mocks yeah. goes at 57 feels like you can take him and take McFarland. That's actually something, by the way, uh, it's like kind of, it's like kind of passe to do handcuffs now, 
But in formats like these where the waiver wire at running back is like literally going to basically be non-existent, I have no problem with doing the handcuff because the value to your team specifically of that handcuff is so massive. Like if you take Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think you pretty much have to plan on taking Damien. Um, you know, I think if you take Dalvin Cook, you need to plan on taking Alexander Madison for sure. Wait, I'll push back on that. Not, I mean, I don't in, agree with this. Yeah, in this contest, like you want to take as many chances at an RB one. Like you don't want to use two spots for one RB one. So Benny Snell in the last round or something. My my pushback but. to that would be obviously there's a finite number of those running back ones. And in the specific scenarios where it's not going to be super muddled if your starter gets injured and there will be a backup who will mostly take over that work, I think it's still viable. Where, where like, you wouldn't want to do it would be, like, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, Kenyon Drake, Jonathan Taylor, Todd Gurley. We're like, the backup situation is just not going to be that clear if and when they get hurt. Yeah, but I think to Madison me, falls into that a little bit, though. I mean, he would get the goal line work probably, but he's he wasn't involved as a receiver last year. Mike Boone's pretty good. Uh, and I just expensive. I just mean like if I had Dalvin Cook and then I'm staring and I know I'm going to draft a running back and two two handcuffs with similar ADP, Pollard and Madison are both available. I'm taking Pollard and and you can remove yeah. liking Pollard more, but I'm just like I want to take an equal handcuff. Yeah, you you want to have field. more you want to have more outs on your roster to running back one that are not that's not cannibalizing one another yeah. basically. Yeah, I do like the James Conner call a lot though. I think he's got like a very strong pass. Yeah, clear and running actually, back one upside. Yeah, I just had, um, as we were talking, my article, my first article for my zero running back target list came out, and Connor's on it for the early rounds. I think he's a yeah. target in the third round for modified zero running back builds. Um, he's just, he's got a path to goal line work. He's going to be used as a receiver. I think he's the clear cut receiving back there. And then uh, the way that Tomlin was talking, it sounds like Benny Snell's basically just his backup and McFarland's going to get mixed in. So I think the, I think that's a great call. I, but I kind of like Snell as like a last round, just pure injury flyer type of dude, because I do think he would get some of that gross trap work. That's not usually that uh, interesting, but it's a little more interesting here for the first down bonus. Um, if Connor were to get hurt. Uh, just real quick on the whole like reason that I think wide receiver or um, yeah, wide receiver heavy or kind of modified zero running back builds can work here is that I mentioned this before, but you have a lot of starting spots that you need to fill in this league. And you can, you definitely do need to factor in the, the scoring here, which is going to suppress wide receivers, especially at the high end. Um, but because you have so many picks that you need to get right, like when you have that many roster spots, you can't whiff on a lot of picks. And I think that there, that actually creates an incentive to draft wide receivers in those rounds, like two, three, four, five, um, where you're going to have a higher, much higher hit rate than at running back. And then take just a ton of swings at the running back position. Make sure you take some high upside tight end swings take some high upside quarterback swings. And, you know, if you have a solid base of starting wide receivers and some of those swings pay off, then your team is going to be cooking. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, in, you know, to that point, uh, there are so many starting spots. There's so many ways, like the temptation, and this is why people hate zero RB, is everyone wants that 
that starting lineup that feel makes them. Feel yeah, you want to you want to look at your roster and post it on Twitter and have people be like, "Wow, what a roster! Such yeah. a good roster!" Right, but you're gonna have to make sacrifices in this format, and you just need to lean into those sacrifices. Maybe you're loading up on tight ends because that's where the value is falling to. But I know I'm gonna have some holes on my roster. Someone's gonna look at my running backs and be like, "This is a disaster." And I'm gonna say, "I call this a Tuesday, but this is how I always draft." Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I just, I, I wouldn't be afraid to going overweight on a position knowing you can start four tight ends if you want. If you have four stud tight ends, like that's going to work out great for you. Yeah. I mean, it's going to work out, it's going to work out great and it's not going to be a popular strategy. Cause like another thing, uh, another like very small element is like thinking about being uh, like, o- like the overlap you will have with your, opponents in you know the playoff rounds or whatever and if you if you are going after uncommon roster builds that is that will be an edge if because like obviously you know there are going to be breakout players that are super common in the playoff rounds you know like if some uh you know, like if, like for example, if Zeke if Zeke gets hurt or suspended or something, Tony Pollard is going to be super owned amongst the playoff round teams or whatever. So just finding ways to be like a little bit unique at that stage, I think, is something that you should maybe not like drafting for, but it's something you should be considering. Yeah, it's an interesting wrinkle for sure. One other just kind of interesting thing too about drafting, if it goes similar, like obviously these drafts all start at the same time, but there's live ADP that's happening. So it's fun to be in a fast draft. No, being in the, a slow draft is what you want, 100%. Yeah, Exactly. Because yeah. you get – I mean, I've had the years – It's two years ago, it was like Sean Siegel's draft was the first one done, and I love seeing what Sean's doing in drafts. So, like, getting to kind of tail some ADP and guys that you trust is, is really fun uh, to help give you more real-time information. Well, you know, this is why when you put in your preference, you wait, see if there's any one-on-ones available, then ask for the one-on-one, then get the one-on-one, and then you can just sit on the one-on-one and make sure your draft is a little slower, guys. It's cold. Oh, God. I can't wait till your entire draft hates you because you're bleeding <laughs> out the clock. I mean, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I will I don't know if I will bleed out the clock, but I don't think I will, like, pre-draft my picks or anything like that because, I you know, I like to. Yeah, you like just you just want to have more information, and it would be it would be very cool to win this. Obviously, this is I'm I'm a fan in general of pre-drafting. I like keeping drafts move along, but not even to that point. This is a hard format to pre-draft in because totally it things can change. The runs so can change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if yeah, if four tight okay, ends go be before you're about to pick or whatever, or or four quarterbacks, like it it really does because like whole swaths of value can get gobbled up before you pick. I I really hate picking on the turn in these leagues, by the way, Pat, because things are so unpredictable draft to draft. So I like what? How are you planning? Yeah. Like like drafting in the turn in something like this, kind of how do you mentally approach that from a strategy perspective? Yeah, so I'm going to try to come up with, like, a draft plan of, like, positionally what I'm thinking about. Um, And just – I'm going to have to assume that I'm not going to get a lot of falling values, which is one of the disadvantages of picking on the turns. If you're in the middle of the draft, you can just kind of scoop up some of the values as they fall um, and play it more by ear. But, yeah, so, like, for example, on the 2-3 turn, I'm probably taking Ertz, and it looks like his ADP makes that like a mega reach, but he's not getting all the way back to 48. So I'd really like to have 
that tight end locked in as, as my third pick. Um, and so I'm just going to reach a lot, I think, if, if it fits with my build. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. I, I'm prepared to read. I, I do want to get unique in this. I want to open myself up to a lot of variants. I, I think that I will um, be reaching. You know, I'm already thinking if I, if I get Lamar, which probably won't happen at 104, or even Mahomes, like uh, I'm going to be looking for – I think Lamar is easier to stack, right? Because you could pretty realistically get you Andrews. Just get- yeah, and Marquise Brown. Whereas if you draft Mahomes at 103, 104, you have to take Michael prob- Hardman in the eighth round, which I'll do because yeah. I prefer him in all formats. Davis, you tried to tell him that it was a lie. <laughs> you, dude, you lied, bro. You lied to McCall Hardman's face, no, and I just also I hope you- you're you're an idiot because when we join forces, <laughs> well, that that's just an evergreen statement. But when we join forces, we all of a sudden now do regular podcasts with Patrick Laird. Yeah, we, we can make have beautiful things friendship. Happen between Nicole Hardman and you just sowed, you know, division and just sabotaged everything. Hardman is very interesting on Twitter, by the way, like he will interact with anyone. I, I love that. I love that about him. Big, big fan of uh, big fan of Nicole Hardman. If you do get Mahomes, let's say, you know, one Oh two, I know you guys don't have that, but for those who do, then I actually think he's, I mean, you want Kelsey, go, you want Kelsey, are you getting Kelsey, though? Is he coming back all the way? No. Very, very unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Edward Hilaire. Okay. Just take him in the second round and just make your I, bet that he takes I love it, Pat. I love it. Oh, we're all in on Clyde Edwards Hilaire this season. Pat, like, we're going to have to talk about this, but I've already – because in the season-long formats for, like, FFPC, if you end up with, like, the 10 or 11 hole or even, like, the 8 or 9, I mean, you can really easily start – pass catcher Edwards Hilaire Mahomes like that stack is pretty it's easy nice. to do um dude with check reaches. out my article man Edwards Hilaire's mm. on it uh <laughs> guys we should do we should do I know you guys will do the the quad managed team with Blair and Hassan but we should do a football guys team I'll do the waivers for it but we should do it as a podcast Damn. yeah um, also, I, I never uh, plug anything, uh, but since Pat and I are launching this, um, I have the YouTube set up. So ship chasing, uh, we're going out on our own this year. So we're going to get the podcast feed up, but we're going to be doing lots of live streaming. And uh, Pat and I are basically have everything ready and we're going to get the first episode up soon and then start live streaming regularly on Wednesday nights. So um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. But yeah, we will definitely be on board for some quad and try managed uh fun yeah i i mean so i think my loose strategy as of now start with a quarterback i actually do really like taking uh well okay pat tell me Kenyon drake in the second round if miles sanders and clyde edwards hilaire are gone how do you how do you grade that just to get the running back anchor out of the way yeah no i think it's i think it's a good pick he's um He's a little bit concerning because he didn't catch as many receptions as I thought, like when I went back and looked at the numbers. And he's actually not very efficient as a pass catcher. Um, so I think he's got multiple red flags in that, which is obviously big. He's also, I think, you know, his particular profile as a rusher is that he's going to be pretty efficient. So I don't know if he'll get the volume, although, you know, maybe he's going to be getting more first downs than you would expect in that efficiency as well. So. Uh, Drake is another guy that in modified zero running back builds for FFPC that I like. Yep. I think he's a target. Um, I kind of like 
Edwards Hilaire more, but you stipulated that I like Edwards. I like Edwards Hilaire more too. Yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, I think if he's gone, then I do like taking Drake. My, I think my, I think my ideal start would probably be Mahomes, Edwards Hilaire, and then I don't know DJ Moore in the. Well, actually, probably in this you can get DJ Moore in the fourth round, huh? Because the quarterbacks get so pushed up, that would be really ideal. So being able being able to start from the 104, you take whichever quarterback, you take a running back you like, and then yeah, man, it's so it's uh it's awesome. I guess I guess so with with our third pick, Pete, we're gonna be looking at DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Kenny Galladay. Well, the well the suckers around us are taking Leonard Fournette and Melvin Gordon. Oh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. I mean, the hope for us, Davis, if we do go quarterback, is that the room panics on quarterback and that those guys are getting way pushed up and to where then that Miles Sanders, Drake, Edwards Hilaire, uh, even a Mark Andrews are all just there for you. Um, but I think that's going to be very dependent on the draft room of how how panicked owners are about quarterback. I, I love getting in the Scott because this will happen probably in about 20% of leagues where – someone starts quarterback quarterback and you know then if you if so if someone starts quarterback quarterback you know four other teams take the stud quarterbacks in the first round first second round like you start to find a situation where like oh my gosh 16 quarterbacks are gone and it's the start of the third round or the the middle of the third round or whatever and those are those are the drafts that are um super conducive to zero running back drafting because you are just stacking wide receiver and tight end points up on top of each other there i'm, I'm hoping that's how our draft goes Pete. yeah yeah and I, what I round for- what round do we take Jameis winston in pat <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. yeah i don't I'm know a- if the completions to the other team count in the completion scoring here uh, did, maybe did someone has someone done a historical look i should use the because the road of has the stat explorer for sfbx i should do the one and see if winston ever had like some like crazy negative eight point he's got game to have this he, i mean he had a game he had a game last year with two pick sixes i think he got <laughs> negative i think he got negative 15 oh man what are you guys thoughts on on kyler murray here because it looks like he's he's just too expensive falling. for this i think you think he's getting all the way back to the second round, the end of the second round in some drafts. I, I will, I'm, man, if I'm sitting there, if I'm sitting there and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is gone and Kyler's there at, uh, at the 206 or 207, like, I, yeah, I don't that's know. What I'm man, yeah. And the nice thing, like, again, we, so we just did, um, our buddy John Solis had set up this charity best ball tournament that was, uh, super flex and tight end premium and what sean did at the turn was double tapped watson and kyler kind of realizing that there wasn't going to be a huge opportunity cost there and it would free him up to not have to reach for quarterbacks at worst value propositions so that's definitely an interesting thing that like in that example that you said davis like if those three running back targets that we would be okay with at the back end of the second if they all go and then you yep. have a Kyler and you start Mahomes Kyler and then I'm not touching quarterback. I'm not t- I'm literally I don't take yeah. I I take I take uh you know Marcus Mariota with my last pick or something. Yeah, yeah that would be yeah. it. Yeah. And then I, and then you go I, I out like of your that. way to stack. Yeah. I think such an interesting thing about drafting this year is in my opinion in regular formats after the first seven picks so that that's ffpc scoring with kelsey going and michael thomas going i think there's basically no opportunity cost with whoever you select for the next 20 picks like i i think there are reasonable arguments for you know pretty much 
everyone from Joe Mixon all the way down to like Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs from from like pick eight to like pick twenty five. So like I, I I think that benefits a QB QB start in this where you don't feel like you're giving like you don't feel like you're missing out on some super stud where that would normally go at pick fifteen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, good sir. Guys, I got to drop off, but I'll let you guys uh, finish things up. But this was fun. Good luck in all your Scott Fishbowl drafts, everybody. Bye, Pete. There we go. We finally got rid of him, bro. <laughs> so That's you're, I, I think seems like the ideal start is if you can get one of the stud quarterbacks with your first pick, you do that. Uh, you So you, for quarterbacks, are in a really interesting spot picking at the 101 because theoretically – all the stud quarterbacks might be gone by the time you go to pick at 212. Like all the quarterbacks you really like might be gone by then. So you might be waiting to the four or five turn where it right. gets scarily thin. Like that's, that is like the McCaffrey teams in this format actually do have an uphill climb, which I like. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, not an up, not an uphill climb, but you won't be winning quarterback on a weekly basis, basically. Yeah, Unless you're really like, sharp. Ryan Tannehill, you know, we talked about him earlier. He's, I think he will be available there at that four or five turn. Um, I think Teddy will be there almost definitely at the four or five turn. You know, if it's a really quarterback heavy draft, I can get one of those dudes. My, my general thing is at quarterback in this is that I don't want to get completely locked out at quarterback. Yes. Yeah. And that I, I would like some access to upside. So Tannehill gives me access to upside because he was actually a very high scoring quarterback last year now will he continue doing it with crazy efficiency probably not but I mean he did do it and the format kind of fits his skill set pretty well so he's someone at the four or five turn where I can go okay there is a, a ceiling here and then if I need to come back on the six seven turn and grab another guy um, that's just kind of gross I'm happy to do that so um, I think that's the way I could play it. And then Justin Herbert, you know, whoever else late, yeah. um, Mariota, Carr, like those types of dudes I think are, are more than fine at quarterback three. So there's also this other interesting element with your build specifically, which is you might be able to take DJ Moore with that last pick of the fourth round. He's not going to get there very often, you know, maybe in 10 or 15% of drafts. You, with three of your first five picks, you might be able to go McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Teddy Bridgewater, which would be a, a very fine stackable start for sure. Yeah, I like that. And that, that goes to the point earlier of like trying to just go in on an offense. Um, I, I think that that's pretty and it goes to your point about trying to be unique i mean I, I might be the only team in the format <laughs> to do that so um or in the entire field i mean so yeah i like that i think that um i don't know do you think Moore has does he fit this particularly well is he just sort of a wash in terms of oh no i think he is a super fit for this scoring because of the way they use him like second and seven dj Moore runs a slant like, like, think about this. This is how absurd this scoring is. Uh, an eight-yard reception on second and seven is worth three and a half points. Wow. All right. Or, yeah, no, three, three points. Three points exactly. Okay. okay. But, I, but, I mean, think about that. 
And and he yeah. it, he does that he does that three times a game, and then you add it to what it, you know he will get used down the field a little bit. Like I like I think that they'll they'll find you know more creative ways to use him. Like I I mean I'm super bullish on DJ Moore in all formats anyways, but like just DJ Moore season from last year makes him um, like undervalued in this format I think for sure. Yeah, and I also like going all in on the Panthers offense in particular because totally. you've got the coaching change, Joe Brady coming in. Joe like, Brady. Who knows? This offense could just take off. Um, and if you've got the three primary pieces to it, you know, you're going to smash. I think the other offense that has the potential – well, there are a couple others. But, I mean, if I could choose one offense to be all in on in this format with the ADPs making sense, I think it would be the Chiefs as we outlined where you go. Mm-hmm. Mahomes, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Hardman, and then you can – I mean, Watkins will probably go in like the 15th round or whatever. Um, so I, I like that. But I think the Bengals are – other than Mixon, everyone's cheap. And Joe Burrow, if he is the the player that he was in college, you know, if he has that similar effect, you know, we're talking about all of these dudes. Just they end up being underpriced by like five rounds basically, you know, other than other than Mixon. Like – if it, what if AJ Green turns back the clock and and stays healthy for 16 games with the best quarterback play he's ever had? I'm not saying this is the most likely scenario, but from like a tournament perspective, this totally makes sense to me. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And then you got Azoma there. You mentioned earlier, boy, is pretty cheap. Like you can go. I'm sure you could get T Higgins for next to nothing. Um, I don't really like Mixon. Um, I don't like Mixon either. That because I just don't know if they'll throw him enough passes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that kind of would prevent me from doing, like, going fully all in. But um, but I do like that call. Uh, are there – let's see. Like, kind of looking at this ADP, do we think that there are any other offenses that make sense? I think, I think the Saints are, like, a really bad stack because all of, their, all of their producers are so expensive. I think the 49ers are a really interesting one because you can take Kittle in the second round. We already outlined how Jimmy – is affordable and then if you pass on Mostert and you take Coleman you take McKinnon um you could even take Jalen Hurd like literally probably with like your 19th round pick or whatever like there are a lot of ways his ADP is 183 yeah there are a lot of ways outdated but no I think I think those are I think those are all affordable positions I I'm out on your Titans call because I don't not because I don't think they can't score a lot but the, the issues you'll run into there are volume related where, you know, in good game scripts for the Titans, they're just going to feed the ball to Derrick Henry. I also think you might run into a weird problem with them where they're like so insistent on getting Derrick Henry touchdowns that like Ryan Tannehill could have this super insanely efficient season again, but not match the touchdown rate that you would expect from him. Yeah, I think I agree. I, I don't think that Tannehill's necessarily someone that you want to stack with AJ Brown. I think John who's not a very good pick in this format with the volume concerns. And he is someone that I normally like a little bit. Um, but I think that Tannehill is still a good pick on his own. And then yeah. maybe the stack with Tannehill of sorts, this isn't necessarily like a traditional stack, is that you prioritize getting Darrington Evans in the late, late rounds. Because you're Love making it. a play on the Titan o- Titans offense being a bit more pass heavy than we expect. And what would lead to them doing that? A Derrick Henry injury. And you can get Evans, his ADP is at 191. So, you know, you could have the start and running back that's there. A, that's a very nice more. meta play of, like, it, it, like, double correlates almost. Um, right. I think 
man, this this feels so gross. I think that um, Dwayne Haskins is interesting. There are dudes out there who are pretty high on Dwayne Haskins. Danny Kelly just wrote a great article yeah. for The Ringer yeah. on how he really just was not set up to succeed last year, and there are reasons to think he will be this year. And outside of McLaurin, uh, everyone on this offense is free, right? Um, I, Gibson, you could probably get at a, at a reasonable cost in this. I don't think I don't think Gibson will be as trendy in this format as he is. He goes. It's so funny. Depending on where you draft, like on the FFPC, Gibson's like a top 120 pick every draft, no matter what. But on um, uh, like in best ball tens and on the drafters fantasy app, he you can take him like he's like uh, 18th round, like just because of the way that the ADP sorts itself on the site, he just goes so much later. I always I always find it interesting with that. Yeah, that's a good point. I I think it's go look at the FFPC ADP when you're looking at who to take in these last rounds because they do do a good job of identifying the running backs with like massive ceilings, then they overdraft the shit out of them. So, you know, if you can, and actually I kind of like Gibson still at his ADP, but it, I think it'll be maybe another four rounds higher by the time we get to August in FFPC. Cause uh, those, those guys with the high ceilings do get drafted up, but you know, they're basically doing the work for you by identifying those, some of those high ceiling plays. So um, that's obviously, you know, a tournament format format with a massive payout to first place. So it's a similar format in some ways in that you need to be swinging for the fences. So just another tool, I think. Do you, um, would you ever draft a fourth quarterback just knowing that that last guy you take so often is going to be a guy you end up cutting. So someone like Mariota, someone like Winston, maybe even, um, you know, Cam Newton, you know, basically just these dudes or, or maybe even uh, Jalen Hurts, like something like that. That probably not Hurts, though. I mean, obviously Hurts ends up being some sick value if, if Carson Wentz gets injured. Like I, I think I normally don't draft a fourth one, but in season, once guys start to reveal themselves to how their value goes, I do like to hold a fourth quarterback a lot of the time. Yeah, I think there's some um... – some real value in taking like Mariota because there's some signals there that he could be coming in. Um, like a Nick Foles would be pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Because there's like a real, you can, there's a real path for him to become the star. The Nick Foles looks like he's going 155. So I'm not, I'm not out front on that at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think if you, if you get one of those guys, I'm in, I'm not so in on the Winstons, the Cam Newtons um, where Hey, who knows with Cam Newton, Winston needs an injury. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really like that so much. And I think, you know, with a guy like Herbert going as late as he is, who is going to start at some point. Yeah, Herbert, year, I think, is a guy you should be viewing as a target for sure. Yeah, he's almost a must draft, I think. If his ADP is really like 157, as it lists here on uh, FF Engineer, like, I think, yeah, he's he's a huge target. It's the same thing he's as Daniel Jones last year. Like Daniel Jones, exactly. you could get in like the 18th round or whatever. Yeah, because yeah, people, yeah. They, want, they want that safety. So, like, you know, just the, the guy who they think is going to start week one will be overdrafted even if he doesn't project to his start as many games. Which is the wrong way to play your quarterback three because that's not when you need him. Your quarterback one – like, quarterback is a pretty stable position. Like, if you're taking guys, other than Other than injury, yeah, guys don't really get flat yeah. out benched. Yeah, but if you lose, like, your third – pick you know if you take like kyler murray yeah it's like it's like great like round. yeah oh lamar gets yeah. hurt like you're dusted off anyway you're dusted and yeah it's such a huge um field here like you need to be right about that quarterback you take in the second round or whatever so yeah i think that um 
if you've got quarterback figured out for the first like four or five weeks and then Herbert comes in and then he's providing a ceiling that maybe, you know, the quarterback you're able to get in round four or five isn't, then, you know, you're, you're just sitting pretty. So. Yeah. All right. Any, any strategy stuff that we missed? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, there's some other, like, where are you at on Boston Scott? He's, he's someone I'm starting to really like as a zero running. I think I, so I, I, I think you can place him in that um, Chase Edmonds, Tony Pollard tier of like guy ahead of him gets hurt. And I don't see competition for him on the depth chart. The thing that makes him different to me is I think Philadelphia would sign a veteran if, that happened because I, I I don't know that for sure. My thought would just be that if Miles Sanders does get banged up, you know they sign Devonta Freeman or you know whoever, right? Like there are a million veteran running backs just sitting out there that they could sign. I don't know if they would. Lamar Miller. I haven't heard no one said Lamar Miller's name all off season, but wouldn't you know that wouldn't really surprise me. Isaiah Crowell. Isaiah Crow. Oh, Isaiah Crowell. There we go. There we go. Pulling, yeah. pulling names out there. I mean, Darwin probably gets cut by the chiefs. Who knows where he ends up signing. That's a That's thing that true. could happen. Yeah. I think so. Scott to me is not necessarily an injury play. He's a standalone value play. Um, Cause he could just so earn that, that passing role. He could earn the passing role. He actually had in his last five games, he had seven carries inside the 10, which is, yeah. and, and that includes the playoff game. Yep. That's pretty nice. Um, and, yeah, he was he was used pretty heavily as a pass catcher down the stretch, and that's a stretch where Sanders was seeing uh, over four receptions per game. But um, Scott Scott saw five receptions per game, and Sanders saw four receptions per game during the same stretch. So I it's think just hard. Scott- it's just hard to tell how much of that is a result of they had literally no bodies at wide receiver. And I don't know, I don't know if the addition of Jalen Rager, maybe Arcega Whiteside plays more. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know how much of that was a function of just having no bodies left at wide receiver. I'm as big a Rager fan as there is, but it's not like they're loaded at wide receiver now. Well, Deshaun, Deshaun too. That's true. Deshaun. Uh, but Deshaun probably plays like three healthy quarters. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and to the health concern, um, this article on, on Alshon Jeffrey, uh, is yeah, actually it's on Evan good. Ingram. Yeah. It's about list Frank surgeries. And basically he's saying like, he's fading Evan Ingram this year and he's like completely out on Alshon, Alshon Jeffrey. So yeah, if you're, I mean, Rager, I think will probably be the wide receiver one there over the course of the season, but, um, that still puts you in a position if you're the Eagles where it's like, well, I, there's a lot of targets to go around. So I, I kind of like Scott is a, I, I think he's a pretty interesting dude if Sanders stays healthy. Like, I think that's actually his best case scenario. That he's kind of a unexpected 1B to Sanders, um, and they don't sign a veteran running back. All right. There we go, everyone. There is some Scott Fishbowl strategy discussion with Pat and Pete. Make sure to uh, start checking out Ship Chasing when they pump those out. And uh, we'll probably do another podcast with these fellas once we get our actual rosters drafted and we can uh, – we can, uh, swap our dicks out and see who see who did the best we'll see who actually <laughs> was able to stick to our principles and not draft terrible running backs uh everyone later we'll, we'll be back next week with more hey everyone it's michelle williams and i love being able to share my story with you on my podcast checking in with michelle williams where my guests and i we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys and i'd love for you to join me 
hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 